me. Thank you. And I'll start with say, by saying that this talk is based, uh, this talk is based, you need to help me. Okay, this talk is based on a book I'm a co-writer of, and another co-writer is here in the crowd. Hi, Yanina. We were supposed to represent the opposite views and became quite friends along the way. So, after 9-11, the Americans have said that they are facing a new kind of war. And the argument that the war was new was on two different bases. One, they said the war is factually novel. Its attributes are new. Once it, it was clear when we are in time of peace and in time of war, that's no longer the case. Once it was clear who is a combatant and who is a non-combatant, that is no longer the case. Once there was a clear division between international armed conflict, meaning conflict between states, and non-international armed conflict, meaning civil wars, and now we have these transnational armed forces that are attacking all over, we are, we are in a different situation than before. The other argument was that it's a new kind of war because the existing law of war was not intended to be applied to transnational armed conflict. And I want to, in this talk, I want to examine both arguments. Let's see, Dave. This is the American argument. A dangerous new war. And why? The now this argument has been used also by the other camp. The argument goes and follows. Because it's a new kind of war in which there is no clear distinction between time of war and time of peace, and between combatants and non-combatants human rights need to be applied more strongly than in the classical wars. But are these wars, are the attributes of these wars really true? Is the argument of factual novelty accurate? So, in 1980, a classical Australian movie came out, Breaker Moran, and that movie is about the Second World War, more than a century ago. Listen to what the actors are saying. It's a new kind of war, George. It's a new war for a new century. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, it's a new kind of war. And it's not George W. <laughs> and even the movie is from 1980, quite before 9-11. Now let's play a little game. Try to recognize when was this written. the argument made today why the current war is new. How about this argument? When have we started using the term 
modern times. Would be come on. I can find, I have earlier sources, so. He, Graves was the head of um, University College London. He replaced Austin in that job. What about this quote? And now I gave you already the name of the book. I'm not going to ask Yanina. <laughs> she knows the answer. Anyone want to guess? When has the state started to demise? Becoming irrelevant to wars. of a border-crossing non-state armed group, the Serbian National Forces. Now, you are saying, yeah, but a global non-state armed force, that has to be new, right? You know this guy? When he escapes from Alba, he is not the ruler of France, right? And he does not want to rule France. He wants to rule either Europe or the whole world. He wanted to reach India. So the powers refer to him as Now, he was not the only transnational armed threat of the time. In 1818, after the Napoleonic Wars, the, power, the European powers are creating the grandfather of the UN, the European Concert. And the, the main concern, the, re, the reason for the creation of the European Concert is the fear of, and pardon that I don't know French, Comité Director. They believe that all rebellions against monarchs in Europe are directed by a secretive society placed in the wine basement of Paris. Completely untrue. It's an imaginary force, but they truly believed it to the extent that that was the motivation for the creation of the European Council. Therefore, when they declare that they are going to catch Napoleon, they also declare that they are going to unite against all revolutionary forces. What about the claim that, that the war itself is unprecedented? That claim. Now, not another Greece, meaning not another Greek, the Greek civil war. The Greek civil war is important because it was the catalyst for the creation of NATO. 
Now here's my favorite. Two hundred years of unprecedented wars. <laughs> now the thing is that all these wars were claimed to be unprecedented for similar reasons: technological development and the involvement of non-state forces. So what's going on here? There are a few reasons for, for, for this phenomena. One is my favorite word in the English language. Is the, that is the tendency to believe that our era is exceptional. And people, we live in boring times, in mundane times. And we are so lucky to live in mundane times, and the only thing that will take us out of mundane times is us believing that we are not living in mundane times. My actual aim in this talk is to convince you that it's fun to be boring. But that's not the whole story. In order to understand the rest of the story, we need to go to the other part of the American <coughs> argument, and that is the normative novelty. So is it true that IHL was not designed to regulate transnational wars? The, ar the American argument for why it was not designed to regulate transnational armed war is based on an accepted historical narrative that seems to correlate with the phrasing of the Geneva Convention. If you look at the Geneva Convention, it seems as if you have two kinds of armed conflict. One is international armed conflict, or so IAC, and most articles in the Geneva Conventions address IACs, and, and the typical IAC is an interstate war. The other is a non-international armed conflict, and there are very few articles that address non-international armed conflict, especially Common Article 3. And the typical non-international armed conflict, or NIAC, is a civil war. And if you look at Common Article 3, it, it, it is phrased as saying a non-international armed conflict occurring within the territory of a state party. So the Americans said, and we'll see it a bit later, transnational wars are neither. And there's a historical narrative that, 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 that they relied upon. And that historical narrative states that until the mid-20th century, international law was statist. It did not address anything but states. It did not address individuals. It did not address entities that were not states, only states. And therefore, it only regulated uh, interstate inter wars. Then, in the mid-20th century, beginning in the Spanish Civil War in 1936, and later with the Geneva Convention, there was the beginning of regulation of non-international government with, with, with a shift, the beginning of a shift from the statist model. Another indication for the shift is international criminal law, addressing individuals. And the third phrase is from the 90s. We have a third phrase in which there's a stronger attempt to regulate conflicts other than IACs. Now, if you look at transnational armed conflicts, they are neither. They, are, they seem not to be seen civil wars because they, are, they cross borders and they seem not to be international armed conflict because non-state actors are involved. And therefore, my colleagues for the last 20 years have been arguing 
how to classify international armed conflict, and I recorded their argument. 